Welcome to Rock Bible Church. Uh, we've got ushers coming down the aisles with uh, Bibles and outlines for you to follow along this morning. Uh, we're going to be into uh, God's Word, uh, Matthew chapter 3 uh, this morning. And then we have prayer request cards. If you have something you'd like us to pray for, we would love to pray for you, our staff and our prayer team. Uh, and they're having prayer night this Tuesday. They'll, they'll be next Tuesday, not this Tuesday. Uh, and they'll be praying for you as well. So fill that out, drop it in the offering plate at the end, and then we'll, uh, we'll know how to pray. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, yeah, it's a good year. It's a good time. Uh, and we are going to jump into our next series today. In fact, we're already in. Uh, we did Christmas. We did uh, Matthew chapter 1 around the Christmas story. We did part of Matthew chapter 2 around the Christmas story. A couple weeks ago, we did after Christmas to finish chapter 2. And I thought, well, once we've started, you just got to keep going, right? Uh, so welcome to our series in the book of Matthew. Uh, first gospel in the New Testament. First book in the New Testament. Uh, not the first New Testament book written, though chronologically, uh, not even close, but it got put at the very front of the book. Why is that? Anybody know? One, it was important, okay? And the reason they decided it was important because it was a gospel, and they said as they're forming the books and putting them in order in the different councils over several generations, they decided, we'll put the gospels at the front. Well, there's four gospels. Why put Matthew first? Well, they decided to put Matthew with Mark and Luke because what they believe is that Mark was written before Matthew and Luke. And they actually think that Matthew and Luke used Mark's letter to write their own letter. So maybe had Mark's letter next to him as they were writing out their version of the story, which is why Mark's version is shorter than both Matthew and Luke. But they said, let's put Matthew... Uh, on one side and Luke on another will put Mark in the middle because we think it's the center of that three, those three accounts of the story. Uh, which, okay, you could have put Mark first if it was chronologically first, but they said, let's put Matthew first because it is the longest. He's wordy. So he got to be at the front. So, uh, welcome to most gospel. Right? We get the most gospel in the book of uh, Matthew, and we're going to see it in a lot of different ways. Matthew has a different perspective uh, than a couple of the other boys, and so we're going to look at it from his perspective. And then uh, a little disclaimer, we're Rock Bible Church, so we do a chapter a week. Amen? Amen. Not this time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Matthew has a couple chapters that just are big, long, multi-subject, multi-story, and for some reason they decided to not break them up. So there's, a, there's several chapters as we get into it. Not today, uh, but they're, they're a lot. we're going to break them up, and uh, we'll do half a chapter or something like that, maybe even a third on some of them. Uh, but you could read ahead and guess, ooh, which ones are they going to split up, right, uh, amongst your learning about the Lord and yourself. Amen? All right, let's pray, and, uh, and we'll jump into Matthew chapter 3. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you uh, for the opportunity to have you one more year. Uh, and we, we enjoy our jobs and our families and uh, sports and all our different activities, Lord. Uh, but may we see another year as an opportunity to be with you more. And I pray you would uh, bless us through that. Show us how to maneuver it. 
show us the values in it and the pursuits that we could have. And then, Lord, uh, we pray for your blessing. And we pray all this on your word as we go through this uh, book. Pray that you would guide us and, and teach us. Uh, show us what we need to see, that we might be more what you've called us to be. And we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, we've, we've been in the Christmas story for the first two chapters. And in Matthew chapter 3, all of a sudden we jump out of the Jesus story and out of the gospel story into setting, setup, uh, environment. And they're going to have to help you understand the value of Jesus in understanding the value of he who came before him. The one in the wilderness calling out. Right, prepare the way of the Lord. So, chapter three starts telling the story of John the Baptist. Uh, and without any further ado, let's jump in. Matthew chapter three, verse one. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He'd be just east of uh, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, uh, close to Jericho, out in that area, but uh, Jordan area for sure. And he would say this, verse two: Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Three things presented in that verse. What's the most important? Repent. The kingdom of heaven. At hand. I would argue. Thank you, Kevin. You can go the rest of your life. And be arguing still. As to which part of that is most important. That we repent, that there is a kingdom of heaven, or that it could be at hand. Uh, please don't ask me that question, which one's most important. I want all three, right? Uh, it's like going uh, to buy a combo meal and they only have one of the three items. It's like, no, I want, I, want the whole, I want the fries too. What do you mean you don't have shakes today? I'm going somewhere else. Uh, Repent, we're going to get into that a little bit later, but uh, for the kingdom of heaven, one, John's making the, the assumption that, that that exists, that it's real. It's a great statement to make. Uh, it's, it's a great statement to make, and yet he's making it to the Jews, uh, Israelites, who have a bunch of rules, and they have all these preconceived notions about what kingdom of heaven really is. Uh, in fact, some of them to the point where they don't even agree on uh, big portions of what does kingdom of heaven really look like, if it exists. Uh, but for all of them, it was way off in the distance. So far off, you couldn't see it, you couldn't experience it. Uh, to have something at hand is to have work to do today. It has nothing to do with God. Uh, John the Baptist came on the scene and he was a proponent of the idea of right now, the immediate. God now. And what a great concept. In fact, uh, many scholars believe that John the Baptist had a bigger following than Jesus did at the time. Uh, because everybody was just going up to see the show uh, with John the Baptist. And there was not a whole lot of conflict or confrontation when you showed up to see Jesus, well, you're in for a whole lot more. And so a lot of people turned away, and he didn't keep a lot of his following. You'll see a little bit of that as we keep going. Uh, but this idea of God now, and, and it's why we put at the top of your outline, uh, chapter 3, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, chapter 40, verse 3, Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. It says prepare the, prepare the way of the Lord. Does that, does that say Repent. Whose way are we preparing? Our way? His way. Wouldn't repent kind of imply maybe our way? The way we walk, the path we and how we walk? Like, repent, that would be about us. That's what John comes preaching. But the prophecy is about uh, you prepare. Maybe that's the repent part. You prepare his way. What's he going to do? A very interesting, uh, there's a great, like double meaning coming out of this where uh, John the Baptist is saying, hey, there's something for you to do, uh, but hold on a second, there's something he's going to do. And I want us to see both this morning. Uh, It's a great message. Voice of one in the wilderness. Uh, Now John wore a garment of camel's hair. Why? (laughs) Right? I mean, we kind of do that. Not anymore. (laughs) Right? Uh, What's wrong with that? Statement. Do you know what's wrong with that statement at all? Are are you allowed to touch the dead carcass of an animal, especially a camel, if you're a Jew? It's probably unclean, right? I'm not really sure how he got beyond there. Maybe he wasn't worried about getting on. No worries. Let's move on. And he wore a leather belt around his waist. Where's leather come from? Dead animal, right? Okay, we're not, you know, it's very um, reminiscent of uh, the story of Samson. You know the story of Samson? We did it. It was a while ago. Book of Judges. Uh, Samson, this great hero. Yes, and he violated every rule of Jewish tradition, right? He's, he's playing with bees, and he's killing animals, and he's digging in dead carcasses, and he's, he's breaking all the rules, right? And here we have John the Baptist showing up again, Right? doing similar type things. Uh, He doesn't show up again, but he shows up the same kind of way that Samson shows up. Uh, Leather bed around it, and his food was locusts. Any guess is what I'm going to point out right here. Are we allowed to eat swarming animals? Yes, we are. We're not Jews. (laughs) We're they. No, he's eating locusts? Huh? Where do you get honey? Swarming animals? I've... He's, he's kind of on the border of breaking all the rules. How can he be the voice or messenger of God? Or maybe God's changing the game. Kingdom of heaven it is at hand. What you thought were the rules aren't really rules. I never were. It's very interesting how he shows up. Uh, I went to Sunday school my whole life and heard about John the Baptist and the camel's hair and the uh, locusts and the honey. And I thought, oh, he was a rebel. He was kind of cool. No, he was breaking all the rules. It wasn't, any, it wasn't about anything like that. It wasn't about him being poor. It was about him breaking all the men's rules and still being in cahoots with God. Like how close was he to God? Any guesses? Very. That's a good one. All right. Very close. Extremely close. Uh, well in, some might say. Uh, and yet, he's doing all these things that seemed like they're out of place. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, 
Why? Because he had a brilliant marketing scheme. I'm doing all the stuff you can't do. And I'm talking about God also. I'm a freak show. He was trending before trending was trending. (laughs) Everybody wants to go see him. This is social media taking off. They go out to the Jordan, uh, and, and they were being baptized by him in the River Jordan. Doing what? Confessing their sins. It's almost like here's a guy committing sins, saying you need to confess your sins and repent. And they're not sure what to do with him, but it's made them introspect. Think about themselves. Become self-aware. What, what am I really doing? Who's going out to see him, by the way? All Judea. All of the region. They just said Jerusalem, Judea, the region around the Jordan. They've covered all the geographic areas, basically, of Israel at that point. The idea is everybody. Uh, it's a great um, commentary on who is God really trying to reach. Everyone. And we say amen to that. Uh, but when he saw, verse 7, many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he was blown away. Why? Because the Pharisees, well, they believed in heaven and life after death. The Sadducees argued about the kingdom of heaven because they believed in no afterlife. They were sad, you see. (laughs) Pharisees said there has to be heaven and life after death because that would be fair, you see. Okay, that's how you remember it, okay? It's as easy as preschool, all right? Uh, And so John the Baptist is blown away. How could both of you show up? You two sets of people, diametrically opposed, uh, different socioeconomic status and everything. How could you both show up here to be part of this? So John's a little thrown off by this. You can tell by his response. You brood of vipers. That that was not a compliment. Uh, Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? What's coming? Yeah, yeah. is God grace alone? He's not. He wants to be, right? But people get to make a choice. Uh, he says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, we've heard him say it twice, right? First thing he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Very interesting here. He says, uh, repent, kingdom is in it. And by the way, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Both of those commands have to do with your own behavior. Change how you behave. Has nothing to do with where you're from. And yet then he says, and let no one think that where you're from is important. Where you're from is not important. Because God could change your behavior and make you repent. Is that what he says? No. He changes the focus from your behavior to God can raise up for himself children for Abraham. What's he raising up? Behavior and obedience? Or is he raising up relationship? What's the value to God? Our obedience and our repentance is not about getting it right or being sinless or any of that stuff. We can't. He solves that for us so he can get to his ultimate goal. And what is that? Communion. Relating. Connecting 
belonging. In fact, wants to imply the idea of family. He could turn rocks into family if that's what he needed to have relationship. Uh, and by the way, rocks can't behave. Right? So what's, what's important to God? That we're in relationship with him. Uh, then he says this, uh, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. What's, what's that mean? Where's the axe? Do you cut roots? You don't really, right? Why would the axe be laid at the root? At, what's the point? Something's coming, right? Remember the wrath to come? Why is the axe laid down on the ground at the base of the tree on top of the roots? It's ready. We have the tools for the tree to come down. The only question now is when's the tree coming down? Right? Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down. You know, a lot of people don't like that verse, don't like those words in the Bible. Oh no, God's a God of grace. Yeah, he is. But you know, there's that cutting down, there's that separation of sheep from goats. We're going to see another separation here in just a couple verses, right? Uh, after they're cut down, they're thrown into the fire. Does that, does that sound good? Ooh, welcome to Bummer Sunday, <laughs> right? Uh, no, it's Happy Sunday. It's always Happy Sunday, right? Because there's great option for you here, right? You get to choose what kind of tree you want to be. Not all the trees get cut down. Uh, for, verse 11, I baptize you with water for, for your behavior, to get you on track, to get you self-aware of what's right, what's wrong, and how are you pursuing it. And then, but he is coming after me that is mightier than I. He could do more than baptize you for repentance, mightier than I, Right? This is one of the ramifications of the mightier. Uh, Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry or touch. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Scott, you said it wasn't a bummer Sunday. <laughs> What's going on there? You know, John, he's going to baptize you for repentance with water. Get your attention and be more aware. Jesus is going to come. He's going to baptize with Holy Spirit. Well, what's that? You know, people are still trying to figure that out. You're going to know it today. He's also going to come baptizing with fire. Any guesses on whether you want that one? Nope. There's two options. With John, there's only one option. With Jesus, there's two options. And he's going to get into that as we go forward. Uh, Jesus, and then Jesus came. Why does that phrase come after all of the stuff that John has talked about? Why does Matthew put it right there? Why does God and his Holy Spirit allow that phrase to come after all of the stuff about John the Baptist and his warning about the person to come and the whole thing? Why? What are we supposed to believe about Jesus? Very clear. He's the one who handles the axe. He's the one who carries the winnowing fork. He is the one who's mightier than I. He's got sandals, apparently, that we can't even touch. He's going to bring in baptism and the whole thing. Right? 
Is he, does he randomly start talking about Jesus or is it with total intention? Total intention. This is who Jesus is. He came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. That feels a little bit backwards, doesn't it? I mean, ba- Paul or John's only baptizing with, with water and it's only for repentance. You told us about this other baptism. Shouldn't we be doing that? Why would Jesus come to you for the lesser of the two? John would have prevented him saying, what we just said, this feels backwards. I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? John's starting to get it right but notices something's wrong here. Jesus is on the scene, and what does he say? He answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus says, no, this is a good example. This is fitting for now. We're pursuing righteousness. This is what we're doing, and can we do it now? Love John's response, right? What's his response? Then he consented. Jesus, you're changing the plan on me. That's okay. See, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Something's got to change. Right? And when Jesus was baptized, which is fascinating, that God would let human baptize him. How far does he let us in the game? (sighs) To some of the best, greatest opportunities and positions. How cool that you could commune with God to the point where you could do something for him. Does God need it? Not at all. But to let you have an experience like that. How awesome. Right? Uh, Jesus was baptized immediately. He went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. See, the heavens were at hand, right? Kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not later anymore. It's now. Something different happened right there. And I don't think we fully know or fully understand or ever will till we get to heaven. Ask God, hey God, when the heavens open to Jesus at the ascension from the baptism, what, what did that mean? And you're going to have to sit down and get ready for a myriad of information that's going to come at you at that point. But the, the total game changed. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. What's that mean? Unity of the, the, the tri-Godhead? Is it a sign? Is it a visible act to show importance? It's all of the above. What changed there? Again, probably won't ever know. And then behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We get a bunch of signs, things we can see. We also get a bunch of uh, voices, things we can hear. Visions and voices in order to confirm the, the value, the status, the position of who Christ is. We also get God the Father starting to define for us what is pleased to look like. What is right? We're getting great information. And we're getting it visually. We're getting it audibly. We're getting it through a messenger. We're getting it through God himself. And now he's on the scene. 
He's on the loose. And I absolutely love that. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. We, uh, we would go to Mexico. We still go to Mexico. But we would, past tense, go to Mexico, and we would go to one beach. Uh, and, and the one beach, uh, for the longest time, had this uh, very large uh, metal cage. And inside this metal cage was a lion. It was a real lion. Now, it was kind of pathetic because he hadn't been taken care of or cared for or fed well or anything. But living, breathing, actual, I'd never been that close to a lion before. It was crazy. And I thought to myself, oh, I'm totally safe. It's in a cage. He's malnutrition and, da, 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 and the whole thing. But I, I've always, I always felt like God, this is one of the greatest, like the king of the jungle. And he's right there. Like, but we got to do something because he's, he's not doing well. And it always reminded me of the famous quote about God. I can't remember who said it. It was a pastor long ago. Uh, uh, Jake Bealey used to talk about this, and Larry Vold uh, used to talk about the idea, God, God's like a lion in the cage. You don't have to ever defend a lion. Just open the cage. He'll defend himself. See, once he's on the loose, all bets are off. Folks, God's on the scene. He's out of the cage. All bets are off. And the game has changed. Amen? Uh, what's that mean for us? I mean, the, the meaning and, and such that we get from Christmas is tremendous. Uh, we went through that. We did seven different messages over six weeks. And what a blast. And all the different... Uh, things that came out of that. Uh, but now once he's on the scene, he's full grown. By the way, we just skipped like a whole bunch of years, didn't we? We went from baby Jesus to uh, John the Baptist is baptizing Pharisees, right? Where, where'd that 20 years, 30 years, where, where'd it all go? Not important to the story, right? You ever we go to a movie and they fast forward 20 years, 30 years? Uh, why does Matthew do that? Why does God do that? So we can get to the things that are important in the story. And I want to do that this morning with you. If the kingdom of heaven is at hand, then what does it mean that he baptized, John, baptized with water for repentance? And what does it mean that, that Christ baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire? And why do we get this story about John the Baptist? I, I think because it's meant to point out to us there's two realities moving forward in the kingdom. And we're going to see these realities played out over the next 25 chapters, uh, 28 but we've done three already, so that leaves 25 for those of you that are at math or don't think I know how many of your chapters are in Matthew. Okay, there we go. Uh, the first reality is this, is this a, a reality of the need for repentance. Two times he comes. First word he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Six verses later, verse 8, he says, uh, bear fruit in compliance with repentance. What's the message that John the Baptist is trying to say? The first thing is he says is, you, you've got to change. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Scott. I thought, I thought God loved me just the way I am. Yes, he does. Amen? You feel better? Okay. Now he wants to give you better experiences. He doesn't want to change you. 
He wants to change your experiences. He doesn't want to change you. He wants to change your relationship with him. How do we do that? We change behavior. I keep, I keep doing this and it doesn't work. Well, stop doing it. Right? Or try it a different way. Went to um, the, uh, the escape rooms. Have you been to these escape rooms in, in uh, Livermore? If you're a woman and you're in this church, you have no excuse. They did an event. If you didn't go, on you. Okay? But we went with a couple people the other night. It's fascinating to me. I love puzzles and all that kind of stuff. And you're in a room. It's like everything is a puzzle. And they use things in the room to help you get to the next room and then eventually get out. And it's time. And it's like appeals to everything that is logical and competitive in a red-blooded American middle-aged man. Still middle-aged. Not <laughs> old. Okay? Uh, but we were playing around doing all these things. And it was fascinating to watch different personality types working on some things. And they, they just couldn't get it. And someone else would walk over and look at it and go, oh, yeah, that means da-da-da-da-da. And they'd try it, bring it over. So they'd work on something for 10 minutes, and somebody else walks in, and in 10 seconds, they solve it. And then that same person who solves something in 10 seconds, they go work on something else, and they're confused and confused and confused. And someone else walks over and says, oh, no, you're looking at it the wrong way. Twip it over. Oh. My little sister did that to all of us. There was like seven of us standing around this box. We're like, da, da, da. and she's like, what? Huh? No. See, did he add those up? Ding, ding, ding. She solved it in seconds. It was crazy. Because sometimes we need to change our perspective, change our path. Not change, Josh. We're perfect. Are, wait, are we perfect? Are we perfect? I didn't say are our actions perfect, is our behavior perfect? Are we perfect? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know about y'all. I've seen some of you. Okay. Uh, God make mistakes? Well, he made me. Right? Don't, careful, mellow. <laughs> There's about 17 things just went through his head. Uh, you're perfect. Now, your behavior is lacking at times. Your experiences are lacking at times. Your skill sets are lacking. Why? So that you need other people. So that you can continue to grow and learn and have other experiences with other people. Because life is an escape room, folks. Have you figured this out? We're all just trying to work our way out of this room to the next room to the next room. And eventually, we're out of here. And we're in, we're in the lobby of the escape room. Heaven. That's what we're trying to get. But John comes saying, you have to be open to the idea of change. That there's more than what you have or are experiencing currently. And are, are you willing to let someone else pick the path, correct things, change things, make suggestions? Are you open to suggestion? A tremendous concept. If it's all, if for you, if it's all science and logic, you're in trouble. Because there's a right answer every time. And I, I don't know about you, but my experience is there's there are multiple answers. If you're all creative and artsy and all that kind of stuff, you're in, you're in big trouble. Why? Because artists never agree, right? I have my expression and I express it my way and it, 
if you're never open to suggestion, whether it's outside the arts or outside of science or doesn't take into account both, you're walking a limited path. And it's not just about did you sin. Because have you sinned? Absolutely. Can we move on from that? All sin falls short of the glory of God. Amen? No, not amen. We all sin. That's not good. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. What a great statement. We have a Lord, what Lord of all, right? For what? Giving us new paths, new directions, change. A lot of people, they hear the story of John the Baptist and they hear him say, repent. And you think old, righteous, obnoxious guy talking about sin. Folks, sin is just like the very bottom floor of the skyscraper. There's so much more beyond that that you get to experience. It's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. It's not bummer Sunday. It's happy Sunday, right? We got to get to change, all right? Secondly, there's the wheat or the chaff. Remember that? The winnowing fork is laid, and they would take the winnowing fork, and you'd have this pile of your harvested wheat and stuff, and the chaff being the protective layer on the outside of the wheat, and when they cut all of that and they put it up in a big pile, they take the winnowing fork, and they stick it in there, and they throw it up in the air. It's like the ultimate little boy's playground, we're going to make a mess. We're going to just start throwing the stuff up in the air because the heavy wheat goes up in the air and it comes right back down and stands in a pile. The chaff, the outside layering that's protective, is very thin and light. When it goes up in the air, the wind kind of catches it, separates it, separation, and it floats over and lands over there. We get the passage talking about, yeah, the winnowing forks, and he's going he's to take the wheat and come down, and he's going to take that into the barn. Why? Because it's useful. We can change it into something useful. Wait, I thought it was good as it on its own. Is it? Yes, but it can do something. It is good and valuable the way it is, but it also can change and be useful for something else. The chaff that floats over and piles up over there, well, it'll keep you warm for a few seconds during the fire, and then no value. The implication is which one are you? You see, the analogy is fun, but beyond the analogy, once we get out of the analogy, there's that baptism with Holy Spirit and baptism with fire. Now, not understanding the concept of baptism by fire, we've heard that phrase, right? Baptism by fire, right? What's that? You want to teach a kid how to swim? Throw him in the pool, right? Uh, We don't like that. I never understood. Baptism by fire means you're out. You're burned up like the tree with the axe at the roots waiting. If the tree doesn't bear fruit, we cut it down and we burn it. All of a sudden we got an axe. We got a winnowing fork. We got fire. That's for half. And the question is, what's, that's not the half we want. Amen? Are you guys Holy Spirit or fire? Seven of you? Okay. The rest of you are like, I don't know. This is so intense. I, I don't know how to answer. You're Holy Spirit, all of you. Why? Because if you were chaff, if you were fire, there'd be no reason to talk to you. You'd be burned up. There's nothing we could do. We're going we're gonna to work from the assumption that you're all Holy Spirit. Amen? That's your baptism. When you're being baptism, baptized into Holy Spirit, are you being baptized into obedience, sinlessness, no, that was the baptism of 
John repentance. What's the baptism of Holy Spirit? God with us. God experience. God now. That's what John the Baptist is trying to get across. What's your God now experience? I asked, hey, are you guys Holy Spirit or fire? You all said Holy Spirit. I said, let's work from that assumption. You got all happy, right? Because the other option is pretty bad. If that's true, what's your God experience now? Is he out of the cage? What's he doing? What's change look like for you? What are your experiences with him? What are you pursuing? What are you thinking about? What are you prioritizing? You see, Jesus comes on the scene not not just to correct sin. Have we figured that out yet? I think at Rock Bible Church we have. (coughs) Solving sin was just step one. To get on to better experiences with God, new paths, new experiences to see what does awesome look like? What would it be like to win the game in the final seconds with the 48-plus yard touchdown pass to the end zone, which everybody should have known that that was going to happen, and yet they still scored? How does that happen? See, God wants you to have those kind of experiences. Uh, And then verse 13, what's it say there? Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. You realize John got to have the experience of baptizing Jesus. How amazing, how awesome. Is God offering you something similar like? Something in the realm of? Having an intimate experience with God on that kind of level? I mean, baptized for repentance with John. Okay, I get that. I need to do that. I did that. I think I was 17. No, I guess I was 18 at the time. Uh, Neighborhood church up in the balcony, evening service on a Sunday night. Mark Tyler. It was a great experience. My baptism with the Holy Spirit has been, what is it like to experience awesome with God in other ways? In how I pursue my marriage and what I do with kids and, and leading a church and uh, counseling broken couples and leading somebody to Christ and uh, helping someone pray for forgiveness. All of those kind of experiences. Doing something right that's healthy, that's medicinal for someone else. Not because I pass out medicine. I, I barely don't even know how to take medicine. But do something that's reconstituting another person. Let's look for those kind of things, those kind of experiences. You see, those are the two realities of what's going forward. There, there's, there's more than just proper behavior and obedience. There's experience and intimacy with God who's on the scene now. In fact, I love what it says in other places about, you know, it says kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's other places where it says the kingdom of God is at hand. I like that because it's even more direct. It's not just heaven where God hangs out. It's God himself is at hand. So we've got these two realities. Well, how do we do them? Scott, that sounds great. Sign me up. Where do I pay my dues? There's no dues. Here's how you do it. Ready? Consent to what is fitting. They have this whole exchange, Jesus and John. Jesus shows up to be baptized by John. John knows that's backward. John knows that's wrong. John has a good set of logic. He's got a good head on his shoulder. In fact, he's a brilliant marketer. 
great public speaker. He's got tremendous skills. And Jesus shows up and says, yeah, we're going to do baptism. What's John's first thought? Oh, you're going to baptize me. This is awesome. No, no, no. No, actually, I'm going to have you baptize me. That goes against what John thought was right. Now, here's the switch for you. You have a lot of things that you think are right. And God wants to switch some of those things. You have things that you're afraid of. Or things you think should never happen. Or things that you've been doing your whole life. And you can't change. You've labeled yourself. I am a. And God wants to come on the scene and say, no, let me show you what's fitting. You see, if you're open to suggestion, then I can suggest fitting. What does fitting look like in your life? Fitting, here's what fitting looks like. It hurts a little, right? This is going to pinch. This is going to burn a little. Uh, This is going to tire you something. But it's going to be good. Went bike riding the other day. I had one less layer than I wanted. You ever done that? Gone out for a while? I'm with the wife and the dog and we're doing the whole thing. And Oh, great couple time with the family pet. You know, no, no. I'm missing one more layer. Like one more layer, I would have been golden. Right? Instead, uh, Frosty the snowman came back to visit. It was just, it was, I was cold. It was weird. How much better would I have been prepared with one more layer? And I got out there, and as soon as I got out there, I thought, oh, no. You know, right? If you get old enough and you do this enough time, you make enough mistakes. When you're about to make a mistake, most of us know. Right? And then I had a choice. Time with my wife, exercise, run the dog, you know. Do I do that or do I go with comfortable? What did I do? Anyone? Oh, no answers? What did I do? Amen? How could I, how could I in good conscience teach men's fraternity on Wednesday morning if I didn't go on that bike ride with my wife? Right? I went on the ride and it cost me a little bit. Right? You can hear it in my voice still. <laughs> I'm still recovering. Right? Uh, but it did something for me. It hurt a little bit. I was cold, whatever. But what did it do for me? Come on, be creative. Time with my wife. Time with my dog, which I'm not sure I want to promote that relationship too much. (laughs) Time with my dog. Time with my wife. What else? That's the one my family would say. More exercise. Dad, you need to exercise more, right? There's, There's beneficial parts sometimes to what's fitting. And unfortunately, our definition of fitting is many times it's a little bit different than God's definition of fitting. Love that the guy who comes and says repent is then asked to consent. Change. And he follows his own advice. How do you remember Matthew chapter 3? Repent and consent. I don't know if you want to write that down. You don't have to. How else do we do this? 
we accept God's new picture of fitting. God's new picture of fitting. A new picture of fitting is going to come, but we got to trust that it's coming from God himself. And that's what we call righteousness. That's what we call righteousness. Jesus answered, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. You know what happened from there? Verse 16, Jesus was baptized immediately from, from coming up out of the water. Behold, the heavens open up, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove coming to rest in him. And behold, the voice of the Lord came and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Once he consented, what kind of experiences did he get after that? Awesome, amazing, and those words don't, are, they don't even suffice. They're not even good enough. How about extraordinary? Still not enough. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, right? Still not enough. Have you had those kind of experiences with God yet? How long are you willing to wait? We repent and consent. We get to start having uh, great experiences when we accept God's new definition, God's new picture of what really does fitting look like. How do you carry yourself? How do you act? What do you do? It's fun for me that Matthew quotes Isaiah 40, verse 3, in talking about John the Baptist coming on the scene. Remember the voice in the wilderness, right? Isaiah 43 says this, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Absolutely. John pairs that with repentance and talks about our behavior and the whole thing. But he says, you know, Jesus is coming. When he comes, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. You're going to get to have new experiences. You're going to you see what change really looks like. It's going to be awesome. Do you know how that chapter ends? Chapter 40 of Isaiah. You know, if you go another uh, 25 verses down in that last four verses of Isaiah 40. What's the... What's the end game of God coming on the scene of this voice in the wilderness? The end game is this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator in the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has, not, has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and, grow, and be weary. The young man shall fall exhausted, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint amen have you heard that before did you know it was paired with the voice of one calling in the wilderness make straight the paths and make a highway in the desert did you know that those were together in the exact same chapter what's the end game the end game is not full repentance and you getting everything right and be obedient and your sins forgiven. The end game, it is experience the guy of the last four verses. You weak, you'll be made strong. You want to mount up, you want to use all these words you never used before because they're awesome. That's the experience God wants from you. And it doesn't come out of obedience per se. It comes out of a heart who's open to obedience, a heart that's open to suggestion that says, yeah, I'll consent to that. It doesn't look like fitting, but the Bible says this, and I guess I'll try it, and okay. And then God takes that and runs with it. Fix your marriage, fix your job, fix your relationships, fix your heart, fix your thinking. 
puts you in healthy places. Then you start having fun. Here's the problem. Once you do that, everywhere you go, people are going to say hi to you. Hey, they're so, hey, how are you? Everybody's going to want to be around you. They're going to like you. It's going to be miserable. For you introverts, oh, man. Right? For us extroverts, we're going to own heaven. It is the epitome of one of the slides, the song you just sang. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Are we singing about being obedient and sinless? No, we want to experience more of him. That's what it's meant to be. Guys, God's on the loose. The fun part is finding him and running with him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, Lord. Pray for those in this room that need to experience that, that want to experience that. Run in with you. Thinking about you. And then, Lord, being, being willing, consenting to changing some of their thought process. Releasing some of that hate, releasing some of that guilt, uh, ascribing joy to people and, and experiences that they've been withholding. I pray, Lord, that you would descend on some of us in a similar way as to the way you descended on your son. And let us experience you. Let us be obedient. Let us have new patterns. And see what awesome is. I thank you, Lord, that you can look at each one of us and say, you're well pleased. If you're here this morning and and you want into that, that could be your prayer. God, I want in. I want in with you. I want to experience what these people sing about. I want to experience what your Bible writes about. And I want to experience it now. If that's you, let us help you. You can do eye contact with me now. You can raise your hand. You can come up after service. Just don't email me. Lord, pray that you would bless those that made this decision. Pray that you bless this offering. Use it to help us be the church you've called us to be. May we promote the idea that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.